got friends, only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading all the war. And I've been shutting out the stars. Yeah, cause when it rain, then it pours. Yeah, and I'm ready for some more. Yeah, and I've been reading. And I'm ready for some more. Reading out of war here with Kevin Hill on Put That Coffee Down. I'm Dooner. What's up, brother? Not much. It's great to have you back in the studio today. Yeah. Do, do you think uh, Seth Holm got his Nicola Wave yet? You think I, he's I, out there I, on the Tennessee I, River? I, I, I think he does, you know, and basically using the currents to power yeah. that Nicola Wave, uh, what? See what see do or Jesky Jesky like that's that. what it's a Jesky. Here, let's role so. play for a second. You be yeah. the board of directors at Nicola, and I'll be Trevor Milton. Hey, I want to post a video talking s about my haters on my Instagram live. Sure, go ahead. Wow. <laughs> well, maybe not today, but, but you know. I was expecting a firm no. I was expecting no. a firm no. Hey, let's just put that coffee down. Thank you for joining I us. I guess I said yes, though. <laughs> you did. I don't think you get the permission as easy from you. Maybe he should go sure. ask you if you're uh, you're on the board. That would be maybe, tough, maybe, maybe I should be on the board of that, Nicola. That's in his exit. That was in the AK on his exit that he has to ask permission before he uses social media. He does, yes. He has to, it, before he says anything, he's got to ask permission for the, the Nicola board. Hey, Which is up? one step further than Elon Musk, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, was. he out he out Elon him once again. He did battery. Hey, battery day was exciting. I watched it yesterday. Did you? I mean, as exciting as a battery thing. It was really annoying because they had people in cars and they were honking the. Really? Hey, we got some people in the comments already. It's Sherman Barnes. He says, "What's good, fellas?" And uh, Kenneth Carter III says, "Hey, what's up?" Just going to share this out. With uh, my good feed here, bringing all those LinkedIn people with you, share this out with your friends too. Because today we got a great one. We're talking visual strategies. And the cool thing that I love about infographics is not only do they convey information really quickly and you can do data visualization, but wonderful, wonderful lead magnets, something you're a big fan of. I love it. I, I love infographics. I, you know, whatever I send out, whether it's email or anything, I like it to be able to be scanned. Yeah. You know, you can just scan it really quick and get a lot of information. Uh, without reading I mean, dense paragraphs or anything. And infographics are perfect for it. It's a great reference card. Yeah. So one of the goals of, of infographics is always get it on someone's desk to where they're referencing it maybe on a daily basis Yeah. with I, your name right there. I mean, that's all, always a goal. Great, great, another great point of them. They're great branding opportunities. Hey, mm -hmm. Aaron Smeetak is in there. She says, good afternoon. Uh, Bryce Anolowski says, let's get it. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Let's do it. Let's do it. We have, you know, I'm so excited about our guest, especially since she actually wrote a lot of this copy and she's spitting hot fire here. We're joined by Amy Balliette. She's the co-founder and CEO at Killer Visual Strategies. And it says here, if looks could kill... Amy would be the brand assassin you would want on your team. She went from producing the world's worst infographic ever to scaling her agency, Killer Infographics, to a multi-million dollar industry leader. So uh, awesome. Top, top branding firms use her like Adobe, Microsoft, Boeing, uh, uh, Nikon, Starbucks, United Nations, more and more. You know, it's going to be great to hear how she's delivering that value to brands. We'll talk first, like we usually do on this show, about what we get out of infographics. But then we'll talk to the expert about how to really sell these things. And she is an expert. And to have a multi-million dollar bill, multi-million dollar year business built on infographics is, is phenomenal. You know, it's one of those things I love. I love a business like that. It's, it's almost like Morning Brew taking 
a newsletter. And I can imagine when when the team over there, you know, when, when Lieberman and, 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 mm-hmm. and tried to say, hey, I'm going to make a, a newsletter and it's going to be worth over $20 million by 2020. I think they're like, you're crazy. Like, well, How do you monetize a newsletter to the level they do? Well, you do good work. And the same you thing with work. infographics. Yeah. yeah. You pick your niche and, and you go after it and you make it the, the best one out there. Morning Brew is a, a phenomenal newsletter. I can see why they're, they're $20 million. Uh, they have a great social media strategy. Yes. You know, that we heard from from Toby uh, a few episodes ago yeah. uh, about how to use Twitter and LinkedIn to, to drive content marketing. And today we're going to talk about uh, infographics and have the number one infographics person on the show. Yeah. But before we do, today in bad marketing, I don't have my board, so I'll just go bad. I'll have to acapella. Uh, you, bad, you will, yes. bad marketing. Uh, today in bad marketing, Qui buy or Qui sell, right? Streaming service Quibi is exploring several, ex- they're exploring several strategic options, including a possible sale, according to people familiar with the situation, as the company founded by Hollywood mogul Jeffrey Katzenberg, he's got a resume, struggles to sign up subscribers in the competitive online marketplace. Now, if you remember, when we talked about this in bad marketing, when they launched a few months ago, we were like, it's hard to find a place for this. Who wants to watch seven-minute videos on their phone that you, can't, that you can't then watch on your iPad or your Apple TV? It's like walling in the, the content. It didn't make much sense to us. Well, it didn't make much sense to the market. And now they're trying to find a buyer. They are. You know, I, I think this, uh, all the big-name investors, you know, Katzenberg's a, a huge name. Uh, you know, Disney's a part of it. NBC, I think, is investing money. And it's a classic case of FOMO. Yeah. If you have ever watched Shark Tank, FOMO, fear of missing out. So Katzenberg comes up to you, Dooner, and yes. says, hey, I have this awesome plan. Do you want to invest? Do, uh, how much more do you need to know? I know you'll get, you get a little stargazed, right? Yeah. You're like, well, it, you know, this seems like a horse we got to ride. But you have to think, did they do any market research? Because when Quibi was, came out, right, it was immediately, immediately crapped on by, by everybody on social media. So do they not ask any of these people? They probably didn't because they probably thought they knew it all. I yeah. mean, you have all these powers in, in, in media, social media, investing and coming up with this idea. They thought they knew what the market was. And they were completely and utterly wrong. They I mean, sh- they don't own their content. Yeah. They charge. It's licensed. It's licensed, right? They, they, they charge. There's something else in here that I'm missing out on. Um, they're doing this, but they're charging people seven-minute videos. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Hulu. You can go to all these different places for free. Why do you need another Melanie something Gra- else? Melanie Graff says uh, it, she says she's uh, great at infographics because her last name is Graff. Good morning. And Jake <laughs> McLeod says, what's up? Yeah, I don't know. Now they say they're going to go for a SPAC. You know, if of you, course. So who do you think should, who do you think should buy Queeby? Uh, my vote is for Nicholas, so they I have a product. Same. You're going to go Nicola? Great quarter guys. Yesterday I said Nicola should just turn themselves into a SPAC. They should just turn themselves into a SPAC. They do reverse merger. (laughs) They should buy Quibi. (laughs) That's $700 million. It can't be worth that. They've raised, oh, that's the other thing. They raised $1.6 billion already. Quibi has raised $1.6 billion, 30% to go on signups in the first year. Amazing. 30%. I mean, it's, it's amazing how much money they spend on marketing to get the results that they didn't. I, I know, right? And then they should follow everyone else into the SPAC market, do a reverse merger, lay it off on, on public investors, and, yeah. and be done with it. Well, I'll tell you, though. So more and more companies are adding a media brand and a media arm. So it might not even be that insane for Nicola to think of, of, of some type of media control arm 
uh, hydrogen TV. Hydrogen TV. HTV. Maybe you could power it with your Peloton, or maybe you could power it with your Amazon Echelon bike. This is just like, this is another, breaking news yes. bad marketing. Echelon, which is a Chattanooga company. Now, I haven't read all into this, but I'm just reading this tweet here from Lauren Thomas. says, I got a pitch from a PR agency yesterday. And did you guys hear about this yesterday? The Prime bike, $500 Prime bike. Sound amazing, right? If you had a Peloton, you're like, wow, buyer's remorse. Well, it says, I got a pitch from a PR agency yesterday to talk to the Echelon CEO about the new Amazon Echelon Prime bike. This story is wild. Amazon says it didn't build the Prime bike and tells Echelon to stop selling it. <laughs> Ballsy move by, um, by Echelon to just put the Prime name on there. That is very ballsy. Here it is, the prime bike. Yeah. You know, like Amazon's not going to figure this out. They're all like, over They're it. not going to say something. <laughs> like, like they don't have any lawyers in-house. Well, here's the thing. So you can't or get your brand pri- managers. You, they don't handle any you can't, of that. You can't get your prime bike now, but if you want a Peloton bike, guess what? I'll get you one for free. All you got to do is go to live.freightwaves.com. Register for Future of Real Estate Conference coming up September 29th, which is also my five-year-old's birthday. He'll be turning six. Join us at that event. It's going to be Awesome. Kicks off at 9 a.m. Live, free, virtually, like all our other events. I got a sales hot tip for you. This is a what not to do. This came into my inbox. I won't say the person's name, but it ended with this line, and I hate this line. Remove it from your automation. Remove it from your email trees. Remove it from everything you do if you're a salesperson. It's, if this is relevant, let's connect and set up a time to speak. You lazy! You lazy... I don't have my beat button, so I'm just going to censor myself. But don't do that. Like, take the time to do just a, a little nugget of research. A little nugget of research. And also this, always assume the close. Always yeah. assume the sell. Always assume it is relevant. Don't, don't, that's just like inconfident language, right? Like, like sure. you, you, you have no confidence in yourself. Well, if this is interesting. No, it's, <laughs> it is interesting. I'm telling you it's interesting. It's interesting. Let's book a meeting right now. Let's start right now. You know, I don't care if it's relevant or not. Let's yeah. let's let's talk right now. It's like, look, this is via my AI-powered automation in-mail software, um, which has done <laughs> such a great job of targeting you. I'm actually so unsure of this fact that I have to put if this is relevant. I have to put a disclaimer. Take the asterisks out of your emails. Get them out. All right. Get them out. Get them out. Here's a quote for you. It's from Orson Welles. He says, create your own visual style. Let it be unique for yourself and yet identifiable for others, and this is talking about marketing and branding, yeah. but he was, uh, he, you know, auteur director. Orson he Wells. was auteur, yes. Citizen Kane, still one of Rosebud? the best. Rosebud. Rosebud, still one of the best, you know, top five movies of all time. If you haven't watched it, go out and watch it. It, it holds the, the test of time. It really does. Oh, here we go. Uh, so, future of logistics. Minor correction from yes. the back. It's actually at 10 a.m., not at 9 a.m. It'll be at 10 a.m., so you guys can sleep in a little bit longer. You don't have to put that coffee down at 9 a.m. That's Eastern's time. Eastern Standard Time, yes. Eastern Standard Time, 7 a.m. on the West Coast. Rhonda's here. She says, drop the mic. Brian Rice says, always be closing. Lisa Petty says, good morning. And Eric Serta says, hello, all. You guys ready for our main topic? Should we jump into it? Let's talk about infographics. Infographics. So my favorite thing about it, well, let me ask you a question first. Let me ask you a question. Let's just set the table. If you had to sell, and this is for the audience too, if you had to sell infographics on a street corner, Right? No easy ask. You got to sell paper infographics, printed out infographics. You got to set up a table. You got to sell it on street corner. What kind of infographics are you making? 
You know, that's a really good question. What, what type would I, uh, what, what would topic be? What street corner am I standing on? Well, that's, that's really the most decide. important thing. Well, here's the rule. You've got to play by the rules. The rules has got to be on a street corner. So you can pick any street corner yeah. in America. You can decide what you're going to do. So set the table. Where, what infographic are you making and where are you selling it? So, so basically, if, if it's any generic street corner, I'm going to do a restaurant guide, uh, infographics of restaurants in that neighborhood. If I'm outside Wrigley Field, it's going to be Cubs trivia. Ah. You Outside stole of mine. Red Sox, yeah, I know, I, I, say, I did. I, I, would, I stole it. I would go on Yaki Way on Red Sox Day, and I would sell Red Sox infographics or baseball infographics. Yeah. It, it, failing that, I would go like I, you could always go political because you got to think you got to be broad, right? Yeah. So you're trying to bring in as many walkers, so I'd make it like super pro Trump or super yeah. pro Biden. If I'm outside a Trump rally, I'm going to sell yeah. pro Trump stuff. Yeah, you know, if I am, you know, on on the beach somewhere on a street corner on the beach, I'm going to sell something about. Sharks in the water. Sharks Shark in the attack. water, yes. In Cape Cod. Actually, in Cape Cod, they actually have the Great Whites now because Great Whites have eaten the people there. Mm -hmm. This used to be like a joke there because the Jaws thing happened in like 1912 with the, the, like the actual yeah, shark yeah. attack that Jaws was sort of like very usely inspired by. Mm -hmm. But uh, now the Great Whites are really there. They've killed two people. Really? Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Wow. They said that Kesha Eubanks issue and so how to use a crosswalk. Jake McLeod said oh, yeah. an infographic about how infographics um, create profits. Joseph Landry would go micro brew tour in the neighborhood. Yeah, I think micro very brew, neighborhood yes. distinct you could do, especially mm -hmm. if you're in a, uh, a neighborhood with like a, the North End in Boston would be a great place to maybe do one for Italian restaurants. Uh, Eric Serta co-signs on political infographics. You'll definitely sell uh, a couple of those. Timothy Tanks is average trucking age each state. I don't know if Timothy Tanks is going to be selling a lot of infographics. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe to us, but if we walk by, but Probably I don't know, like, general population walking down the street. But, you know, the reason why the infographics are cool, and when I was director of marketing, they're one of the core things I focused on. And on this show, mm -hmm. we used to do them, too, when we were doing a little bit more surveys. We, we don't do as many touch points as those, as those. But what I love about them is you can create great lead magnets with them. It's something I was doing at Aboard and Company quite a lot. You, uh, you, I would put a low-res version online. I would put the full-res printable mm -hmm. version and PDF version. All you'd have to do is give an email address to us. You'd get to download it and share it. And then you'd be signed up to just automatically get infographics. So I created a mailing list out of it, created mm -hmm. a lead magnet out of it, and created uh, content assets. And then a lot of those content assets, those, those infographics, actually became um, templates for what I would make the next uh, podcast mm -hmm. about. Yeah, you know, it has everything. You know, it's scannable. There's not a lot of dense information. It has pictures, and they say pictures are worth a thousand words. Yeah. Right? So, so there's a thousand words right there. You don't need a lot of copy and text. Uh, you have to be good at designing, which I'm not. You are. Yeah. I am not. So infographics are kind of wonky with me. But they're highly shareable. That is one thing that I love about infographics. They're made to be shared, yes. for it to be forward along, so they can go viral, and they're great references, right? Especially in the trucking industry, you know, uh, you know, payload weights by by trailer type, you know, different state regulations. Uh, they're, they're really awesome things that you can do and customize to, you know, a, a broad audience or a very specific audience uh, on your on the shipper side that will be on someone's desk. Yeah, that they'll, they'll keep on going back and referencing um, for vital information. Well, everything you're saying is why they make amazing branding opportunities mm -hmm. too. And I remember when I was at what Aborn, my my starting point on all of them was to to make sure the logo was identifiable and the colors. The color scheme was very identifiable. And then I had two types of templates. I had long and I had um, I had rectangular. 
you know, mm -hmm. depending on how you wanted to share like it out. Portrait and landscape. Yeah, but I wouldn't deviate too much from the layout because I wanted people to understand what the yeah. brand was. I wanted it to be very, very reinforced. Sometimes you'll see when people get newer to design, they try to do as many tricks as possible. They want to mess with the layout to look like they got elite Photoshop skills, but it just looks like they're messing around in Canva a little bit. Um, and you'll see from Amy's Amy's infographics, how sort of clean and concise they are versus what she started out with, where she would put um, what she called the world's worst infographics, which I actually thought were still kind of fun and yeah. kitschy in a like roadside rest stop um, like menu kind of a way. So, so I, I have a question for you, Jenner, because you're, you're a bit of a graphic designer, yeah. right? I'm not at all. What is, you know, for someone with no talent like me, when it comes to layout, you know, uh, you know, building an infographic, what's the first step? So if you don't know how to use Photoshop, and I mostly use Canvas, so what you need to do is you need to find assets that are free or that you can create. And then it's almost like color forms in Canva. You're just arranging and assembling the assets you want to do within a brand template. And you can come up with your brand template. Like Toby always, like Toby said a bunch, he's like, copy what you like. So look at an infographic that you think does a great job, and there's no shame in sort of looking at that layout and being like, this is a really good work of a layout. I'm going to sort of build from this. Yeah, I'll remix a little bit here and I'll tweak there. But since I don't really know what I'm doing, I'm going to follow this really good foundation first. And then if I want to deviate a little, I'll go from there. But ultimately, I think that it, it always helps to look at examples of resources that are doing a great job. Well, and, and that's what business is all about, right? Yeah. I, everyone's copying from, from every, you're using what works. And what works for you is same with a, a sell script or a sell style, right? You're going to, you're going to copy it from somebody else. You're like, wow, that really works. And then you're going to put your, over time, you're going to put your own spin on it and, and, and make it, make it what works best for you. And then someone's going to come along, and, and if it's working, which is good, they're going to copy you. I mean, look at us here at Freightways. So we have our Sonar SaaS product, right? That is a very complex thing with a ton of different data points. So in order to convey that to the masses, especially from the point of trying to convert someone to, to want to go into a Sonar demo or look at it, or, or at least just have that info about the trucking market, you have to be really smart about your data visualiz visualization mm -hmm. and what you want to show on that infographic. And I think all SaaS companies have that problem because you're using the infographic to make the intangible tangible. You're taking dashboards and things like that and then turning them into easily scannable, digestible, shareable pieces of content. You are, yeah. And, and it, it, takes, uh, well, it, it takes skill, but, but it takes talent as well. But it takes practice. Yeah. Like everything else, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of reps, a lot of dead ends, a lot of bad decisions. Uh, process of elimination to, to get to the point where you're making really good infographics or you're doing anything out there really, really well. How about on the shipper side? If you're a freight broker selling to shippers, you know, and... and to the audience out, you know, what are some good ideas for infographics? Something that you can share with your customers uh, that could be a prominent piece on, on their desk or maybe shared within the organization. I'll tell you, our most downloaded one at Aborn was, um, it was even a little bit outside our vertical because we did mostly trucking auditing and stuff, but most trucking companies touch ports and the 301 tariffs had come out. And I'd been a former global customs broker, so I know how much broker nerds get into tariffs, especially if you're on that side of the thing. It's down 10 times more downloads than any other infographic we put together. And for a few reasons, timing, I was right on top of it. The second mm -hmm. that those came out, I immediately jumped into it and started converting it over to infographic, pulling out what I thought the key points were. Um, and it got shared crazy because I did pull out the right key points. So that's it. You, your infographic has to be a roadmap of information, though. 
it can't just be like this, that, this, that, this, that. It's probably not going to be that interesting. You want to make it a bit of a journey. And the reason why is like what Ramta says here, I pay, I tend to pay closer attention to infographics versus just written content, which is good, but it's also dangerous. Because one thing you do have to remember is that most infographics are made by marketing departments. Right, they're yeah, not yeah, even made by true. journalists. That they're usually made true. by marketing yes. departments, yes. and they usually do have a goal in mind of getting you to go in one direction or another. So just be mindful of the information that's on the infographic. But it can be a very powerful resource because the marketer is trying to create, if they're doing the right job with the infographic, they're trying to create an emotion, and that's where it comes in for brokers. Shippers have a lot of problems. Capacity is a huge one. I mean, you could make an infographic on capacity and driver pay right now, and you're gonna you're gonna get some pretty good shares on it mm -hmm. out of your brokerage. Just put your go and do it. Just put your logo on there. Uh, look on Freightways. You have a bunch of articles on them. We probably even have infographics we, we about do, it yes. that you could, that you could uh, cultivate and get some ideas from. Um, you know, you're not reinventing the wheel here. It's an infographic. It's an infographic. We do one a day at FreightWaves. So yeah. FreightWaves.com, we have the, the infographic of the day. And Emily Ricks here, uh, she, she produces that. She does really fantastic fantastic job doing that. Uh, you know, the government regulations, that, that's a key point too. You're taking something that's very complex maybe hundreds of pages, uh, you know, hard to understand, written by lawyers. And you are simplifying that into an infographic, one sheet where someone doesn't even have to turn the page and they can get the highlights or what they need to know uh, to, to execute freight or, or, you know, drive value. I think one of the reasons you, myself, uh, Emily, our GM of content, and Craig Fuller, our founder and CEO, have such productive conversations is because, like, take an infographic. Take, take, a, take a look at her company, Visual Strategies, and what they turned infographics into. And it's because we like to take an asset and think of ways we can scale it. Mm -hmm. Like, if we're making an infographic, we're not making an infographic. We're making a product division, right? And so yeah. what she does is she's like, so I got to make infographics. I'm already doing that. So what does that splinter out into? It splinters out into brand identity. It splinters, it splinters out into logo build. It splinters out into conflict collateral, splinters out into uh -huh. uh, annual reports, design Flywheel. dashboards, data visualization, ebooks, uh, interactive content, motion graphics, taking all that information that you compiled and cherry-picked into the infographic and putting it to motion, making videos out of it, making, uh, helping your, your people for script assets, giving it to journalists, being able to put a story around this infographic, lead magnets, visual training tools, you can use them internally and externally. I love ideas of design at scale. Design at scale, flywheels. Yeah. And we do flywheels around here on, on everything. So infographics turn, or blog posts or news, news articles turn into infographics, turn into assets on the show, turn into conference assets. I mean, it's, it's a flywheel. Well, they play right into the, the trivia side of the human brain. We're very mm -hmm. good at retaining short series of numbers. Now, if you write, the problem with putting them through text, right, is because you're not just trying to remember, your brain is already being, is processing all of that written dialogue mm -hmm. along with the numbers. So it's not like you're just looking at a sequence of three words. It's, it's why we're, we were, we, back when we had to remember telephone numbers, humans were really good at remembering telephone numbers. Now, if you grew up in the smartphone age, you probably don't know any telephone numbers, but I assure you that if you're 40 or older, there was a time when you knew all your friends' phone numbers, you knew your work's phone numbers and everything. I don't remember any of them now, but I assure you they were easy to memorize when you had to. You can do nine numbers oh, yeah. pretty easy. Yeah, I, I still remember two or three. Yeah. Yeah, two, two or three people that, that I grew up with, um, you know, certainly my grandmother, you know. Uh, I, I remember all those numbers because you had to remember numbers. You're required to. So it's the same, yeah, same thing with infographics. What, what else do you like about infographics? I know we've sort of touched on lead magnets, but how, how do you develop a, a lead magnet via a uh, infographic? 
Well, you know, doing the same things that, that, that you outlined, you know, t taking something that's complex or something that, that you might have to go to two or three different sources. Maybe you don't need it every day. So it's like phone numbers. You don't remember it off the top of your mind, but yeah. it's good to have a little handy reference card, whether it's printed out or it's online to, to be able to, to guide you through and, and be able to, to make those decisions much more quickly. So now, things you, that, that, that can be referenced and used. Are you putting these on a landing page though? So you're putting them on a landing page, people sign I, up I, and it, it jets out to them? I, 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 any way that works best, right? I'll put them on landing page. I'll make them printable, put them on PDF. Uh, certainly uh, register, you know, your email to, to receive this. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of did, it was, it's a little booklet on, on cold emailing, right? And I probably should turn that into an infographic. Yeah, why didn't you? Uh, because I can't do infographics. Oh, okay. Because yeah. of the design aspect. The design aspect. Yeah. Right? I, I would love to do that, you know, and, and I might do it, do it one of these days. It I might be my, my next project that I go out and do is to create an infographic, but, you know, to, to copy this little or to, to download a booklet, you, you put in your email address. Erin Smitek has a couple of comments. She said uh, she says she's going to make, if she was selling infographics, she would be what a turn signal looks like, but she wants to know what kind of software do you use to create infographics. Erin, I use Canva to do them. Uh, they have templates for infographics in there. They actually have jumping off ones. They have free templates that you could go into. You can switch them to your brand colors. You can switch in and out the data. You can put pie charts. Um, it's not the highest level program on earth, but you can make some really nice quality things in there. And it doesn't have that steep learning curve that something like uh, Photoshop may have or Illustrator may have if you're familiar with the Adobe suite. If you're not familiar at all, I highly recommend going in Canva. They have uh, free and paid options of Canva, just canva.com. That's what I would, uh, I would highly recommend. I bet Erin, she uses some higher level stuff, but if you don't have a complete design department, I know we're in freight. A lot of us do not get those sort of marketing budgets and your marketing person probably is wearing 10,000 hats. They're probably doing your newsletter. They're probably doing your infographics. They're probably editing your podcast. They're probably making your graphics. They're probably doing 6 billion things unless you are a, uh, a much bigger company. And then that's very true. And you don't want to get stuck in software. It'll take you two weeks to learn how to, to build an infographic, yeah. right? You want to be able to go in there and, and do your first infographic because it's probably going to be bad. Sure. Right? I mean, if, yeah. you, if you're like most people, it's going to be bad, which is fine. Yeah. You build another one. You get, Remember you get something. better. Better. Get better each time you do it. Everyone missed their first jump shot. Yes. Everyone plans. Like, everyone's first I, season is just not, not the greatest. Not, that's not, why they not call the it greatest. rookie mistakes, right? Yeah. Rookie mistakes. Hey, the greatest realization I think you can have is the scariest thing. The scariest thing is when you become an adult, right? You become an adult and you realize that most adults don't know what they're talking about. But it's empowering, too. <laughs> it, it's, I remember having that, too, when I was, like, 22. I'm like, wow. You know, I got in the business world. I'm like, a lot of these people, like, they just ended up here or they're here by accident. They don't take any time to learn about their profession or their skill. Mm -hmm. They're just stuck in place. There's a lot of that in life. So don't be afraid of applying at companies you really like or just starting things on your own that you really like. Because if you put the time into it and you just start getting good and building some skills at it, you are better off than most people around and you. You really are. You really are. That's that 10,000 hours thing. Yeah. Right? If, if you put in the time and the effort, you're going to be better than 90, 95, 99% sometimes of everyone else out there. And it's all about hard work and determination and, and putting in the practice and reps. But yeah, you're right. You, you, you're 22, 23, and you realize that you know, the, the older you get doesn't mean the smarter you get to become.
Should we talk to Amy? Let's yeah, have Amy. Let's, let's bring that. the expert on now. We've rambled enough to one another, uh, but I think Amy will actually set us straight. It's Amy Balliet. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Before the show, we were watching you speak in uh, San Francisco back in better times, pre-COVID times. Uh, I think you're talking about ImageGen or one of those conferences about what you do. Um, and I also have to say, you write amazing cell copy. I was looking at your website, and I'm like, man, she really knows how to, mm -hmm. to turn a phrase and make infographics sound a lot cooler and interesting than I think people might assume on initial impression. I really appreciate that. And thanks thanks for having me as well. I've been really enjoying listening to you guys having this conversation. And if you can see me on video, I've just been nodding along with everything you say because <laughs> it's so spot on. <laughs> So let, let's yeah. let's give us a little background, because uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, one of, well, here's some great copy you wrote. We work with marketing and communications team to create visual content that informs, inspires, and moves audiences to action. I love the way you phrase that, moves audiences to action. You, The way you were pitched to us is you you did the world's worst infographic, you called it. I think we have a picture of it. It looks a bit like a, like a road stop menu with, with pictures all over the place. I thought it was fun in a kitschy way. Um, but, but there really goes to tell us about how you got into infographics and how you decided to build an entire company around it. Yeah, definitely. Um, honestly, I built, I built killer visual strategies on accident. It, it really was. I had a different business model entirely, and my background is SEO and online marketing. And I started designing infographics for backlinks. It was 2010. You could slap the word infographic on any piece of visual content, and it would succeed in 2010. Um, and so... My, my first infographic was uh, called The History of E-Commerce for a website I had called ZippyCart. And it was all about um, e-commerce software solutions. And honestly, I, I built it in Photoshop. Um, I will actually say Adobe Illustrator, if you're going to use the Adobe Creative Suite, use Adobe Illustrator. Um, and if you can't use the Adobe Creative Suite, heck yeah, use Canva because it's a phenomenal solution and a phenomenal tool out there too. Um, but I used Photoshop and that was kind of my first big mistake with that. Another big <laughs> mistake is it's just, yeah, it's just riddled with all these different illustration styles, tons of different fonts, and the layout is a bit of a mess. But I agree, truck stop menu, that's a perfect way to describe it. It's a little kitschy. Um, and the, the thing is, it succeeded. And so with that success, I got like 2,000 backlinks in two weeks. So our SEO just went through the roof as a result. And we just started designing more and more infographics and, and getting, you know, more backlinks to all the different websites we had until people came to us and started saying, design an infographic for us. We see that you're doing all of this work. We want some good infographics as well. Um, and at that point, I said, well, let me bring a real graphic designer to the, to the picture here. Instead of me designing these for you, let me bring in some, um, some graphic designers that I know really well, and we'll start designing some content for you and help fund the original business model. But what we found was just that, honestly, it was much better to pivot entirely into a full service visual communication agency and really build infographics as our first offering. We actually used to be called Killer Infographics. Um, and then we started evolving well beyond infographics, just like you said, finding other ways to bring the same concept into other pieces of creative content. And then from there, we eventually changed our name to Killer Visual Strategies to encompass everything that we do. Now, we just displayed your second infographic that you also said was one of your worst. It's the guy with the, the crown on it. Um, can you critique that? What, ma what makes a bad infographic? I mean, one thing I'm noticing, there's a lot of small text, right? That's, that's a big thing going on here. 
Definitely. Um, in fact, in my book, I kind of outline all of the things that make a bad infographic or any bad piece of visual content. Um, and with the second infographic I ever did, which focused on um, how to define Google PageRank and compared it to running for Prom King, um, that breaks my first and most important rule. That rule is always think about context. It's a con when there's too much text. If it's a reading assignment that you're putting in front of somebody, it's not really an infographic. It's honestly just a well-designed blog post, maybe, or hopefully well-designed. But a good infographic is something where you can jump to a few key conclusions before reading the content. And that's because today's audiences aren't taking the time to read unless you earn their attention to drive them into that text. So a wall of text, they're not going to pay much attention to that. You need to earn their attention instead with really great visual content that helps them understand the subject matter. That's a very good point, Amy. I, and I like that. It's a con with too much text. <laughs> and I, yeah, I really like PowerPoint rules, right? It is. It's the same as, as PowerPoint rules. Exactly. So on, on your goal of achieving or your customers, what is the primary goal? Uh, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. You know, is it to be shared? Is it to be, you know, uh, reference, you know, d taking complex ideas and, and putting it? What's the, the goal of, of the infographic itself? It always, there's always a bit of a different goal. I mean, sometimes the goal is engagement. It's, you know, maybe it's social engagement or maybe it's to drive traffic back to your website or maybe it's to drive people through a con conversion funnel. Sometimes the goal is simply to educate the end user. In fact, a lot of the work that we do for maybe, you know, nonprofits or government, that work is to educate the end user. It's not to drive certain revenue needs. Um, but often when we're doing work for marketers, it's all about content marketing. Um, today's marketers are averaging 12 to 14 types of visual content just to accomplish a singular goal. And so with an infographic, you can create one great piece of content and then cut out pieces of that infographic to create those 12 to 14 additional pieces. So really it's about fueling a content marketing effort. And sometimes that might be, you know, like I said, traffic, engagement, followers, or simply having somebody enter your conversion funnel. And infographics, a great top of funnel tool. As people get deeper and deeper in that funnel, that's when you can start delivering more and more text. So that's where an ebook might work deeper into the funnel or um, a really in-depth motion graphic that's longer than 90 seconds, things like that. I think our third image here, our progress, our path forward, is uh, is your example of a good infographic. I found this on on your website, and this is a much different contrast from from the truck stop menu. This is blocked out in contrasty blocks in brand colors. You're using a lot of uh, flat graphics on here. Um, I, the only thing I would argue about that is that's not really a rule, that's a trend. There's been a, just a move towards not doing 3D graphics over the past five or eight years. But if you look back further than that, 3D gra graphics were all the rage. And it almost changed around mm -hmm. when the uh, like iOS 10 came out, if I'm remembering correctly. But this is really cool. So what have you learned since, since the beginning? And what makes this? What rules are you following? I think you said there's eight. So what rules are you following that make this a good infographic? Yeah, definitely. So some other big rules we follow, um, first of all, we really focus on custom illustration at all times. We avoid the use of stock imagery, mainly because um, a client's competitors could be using the exact same stock imagery. So instead, by doing custom illustration, we're letting the information drive the design instead of having to kind of cherry pick stock assets and write information to match with those stock assets. So that's one of the big things that we've learned. 
But um, another big thing is, it, I like saying it this way, good visual strategists always ask WTF. And it's, it's not that they're dropping F-bombs here and there. They're saying, why that font? The fact is, is font choices are extremely important in your infographic. They carry forward information. And so we are, pardon me, they carry forward meaning. You could look at different fonts and derive different sentiment from those fonts. So it's important to pick the right fonts to sh that, that really go along with the subject matter, but also don't overuse fonts. Choose at most three fonts. And if you can really stick with one or two fonts throughout your design, that's even better. Um, great layout. That's exceptionally key. You have to, you have to stick with a nice multi-column structure. Um, you, you shouldn't be just kind of willy nilly slapping things onto the page. Cause then it's going to get a little hard for people to view. Like my first infographic I ever designed, everything's just strewn about that design. It's, it's really not good. Um, another big thing is colors. Honestly, people think that colors carry forward very specific meaning, but they really don't. We're, we live in a world where, yeah, red might resonate with some people as a color of anger, but for other people, it's a color of, of love and excitement based on just a heart or something like that. So don't pick colors based on psychology. Pick colors based on your brand, but then use them uniformly in your design properly. Um, those are just some of, of the, the many rules. I could probably go on for hours talking about uh, everything that you have to do. <laughs> Let's just land on font for a second. That's a big one because one of the hallmarks of bad design, and I think it's just that, I think when people first start designing, they look at font and they're like, wow, it's really simple to put font on something. So I don't want to use impact or Times New Roman or Arial or these, or, uh, you know, uh, mm -hmm. or the, the sort of basic fonts. But the thing is, you, you kind of have to take a step back and you have to be the viewer and realize that there's a reason that these fonts are used. So it's the reason why Helvetica is such a popular font is it. It, it conveys a certain sense of stability, but it's also very readable. It's highly readable. And when you start putting like like cursive fonts and things like that, you lose the, uh, the the reader. When you're using those kind of fonts, you should be wanting to convey an emotion from them and realize not everyone is even going to be able to read it instead of trying to convey main information. Exactly. That's exactly true. So if you're using fonts that are really stylized, they should be reserved for headlines and they should only be used if they actually match the content, if they match the actual narrative that you're displaying. But you definitely should not be just throwing script fonts out there because they're fun. Or if you think about like Lobster, the font Lobster um, spent a good two or three years being the main go-to font of everybody that everybody was using because it was on trend. Now it's gone the way of Papyrus and Comic Sans. It's just one of those horrible overused fonts that you should avoid with all, with, with all your effort. So you really also have to stay a little bit on top of trends there. I always recommend um, going to Lost Type, really great website that has trending fonts that you can use. And again, reserving those fonts for your main headlines. It kind of reminds me, you probably ran in this in, in trucking, I'm sure our audience has, uh, you know, you, you get certain people in trucking that, that uses that for their emails, right? The, the cursive oh, fonts or oh, the crazy or the pink fonts yeah, or, like it's or the pink colors. Or I, I, like, I know, you right? And, and I, really, 10 years ago, you saw that all the time. Yeah. It was like, what in the world? Oh, yeah. This is not, not professional whatsoever. Oh. Uh, I, Amy, let's talk about uh, idea and content generation. You know, ideas for creating great infographics, and and what ideas work best. Um, it's always going to depend on the audience and the goals that you're trying to achieve. 
One thing that we've found when it comes to just an overarching umbrella of things that work really well versus style content, where you're pitting one thing against another, that's going to have a lot of opportunity to go viral because you're automatically going to find one group who really has a lot of a lot of thoughts behind who you're pitting against the other, and they're they're going to want to kind of um, fight for their cause. So we had a whole versus series that we did for a while. Um, our first one was Geek versus Nerd, and what we found with Geek versus Nerd was hipsters got really really angry about <laughs> Geek versus Nerd, and they got angry because they said, "No, everything you're defining as a geek is a hipster." So then we did Geek oh. versus Hipsters. Um, <laughs> Like, all right, then, headline. (laughs) And we've done a lot of things like that. I mean, we did um, a long time ago, Guy Kawasaki versus Seth Godin as an infographic. And that put us on the map um, in a lot of different ways. Actually, Guy Kawasaki picked it up, shared it, shared it around. It was actually because of that that I was able to reach out to him and ask him to write the foreword for my book. So he wrote the foreword for Killer Visual Strategies, which is great because he's the chief evangelist of Canva. So he we, he was also able to bring some insight into the book about Canva while I was really writing about all of the ways you can do it yourself without having to rely on a tool like Canva. So um, I, I think that versus if you're looking for that that one that's going to really hit home and really drive a lot of viral appeal, go the versus route. That's really going to stick with people. Wow. So I have a question for you that's kind of going on, Kevin's, but uh, building that funnel, how much information is too much information to put on an infographic? Do you have any any sort of hard rules of thumb there? Yeah, and we've, we've formed the rules over time because there was a period of time where we were doing these things called super infographics, which were like, oh my gosh, 20,000 pixels in length. And to give you an idea of that. You're like scrolling just, and scrolling. Yes, yes, they were crazy. And they they worked for a bit They were because they were so different. But then eventually it was information overload. So right now we say, if you're going to go over 5,000 pixels in length, which is about, from a research standpoint, um, about a page and a half of research that then turns into um, a really nice long scroll infographic, if you're going to go over that, then maybe consider an ebook instead of an infographic because it's just way too much information to fit on an infographic. Um, the other thing we always say is you should never have a part of your infographic where it feels like there's a paragraph of text sitting there. Um, you can have maybe two sentences together, but that's about the max that you should have from a text block perspective. So we always try to say under 300 words in an infographic. And if you can get under 100, you're even better off. There's a question from the audience. It's from Felix Lopez. He says, Amy, can you talk about visuals with live clicks versus text? What's what's best for driving conversion and those kind of things? That's a great question. Um, HubSpot actually put out a study that said interactive content has a 70% conversion rate. So when you're focused on conversions, if you can create an interactive infographic or an interactive experience, you actually do have a much better chance of really driving people into that conversion funnel. Whereas a static infographic, something that doesn't have these clickable elements in it, that's better for shareability. So if you're looking for something that's going to be shared widely and you want to give people the tools to easily spread that around, stick with static. But if you have the means and the time to produce something interactive, you're going to find far more success from a revenue generation perspective. 
So, so Amy, when we talk about interactive, you know, you, you click and, and go somewhere else. So what's the most powerful uh, other mediums to use in that interactivity? Is it video? Is it sound? Is it, you know, a landing page? What, what is that? So we are a, a generation that loves video. Video is always one of the most powerful things that you can include in any piece of content, whether that be on a microsite or whether, if, if you can, put it into an interactive widget, that's always going to be helpful. And the reason is, is because it spoon feeds the information to us. It just lets us sit back and have a nice bit of bite-sized digestible content. Um, and so it's kind of a path of least resistance. So if you can be incorporating video, definitely incorporate video. In fact, on your website alone, 99% of people, the first thing they're going to do when they land on a website is look for a video to press play on that landing page. So put it in the upper fold of your landing page. If it's a high quality video under 90 seconds in length, you're going to see that the majority of people will watch it all the way through. And on average, it increases your conversion rates by about 80%. I know that if I land on CNN where they autoplay videos, there's a 100% chance I will be looking for that mute button really quickly, though. Uh, so that yeah. is true. That's my one bugaboo there. But, you know, you look at a science. You just mentioned some stats. So what is the science behind why visual communication is 60,000 times more effective than other any other medium? It's our brain science. The fact is, is we're hardwired to take in visual information far more than we are to take in text-based information or even audible information. 30% um, of the cerebral cortex is made up of neurons firing just to process visual information, whereas only 3% of the cerebral cortex is processing audible information, as, as an example. And so when you think about um, the, there's this, that, that concept of the path of least resistance, that actually comes from brain science. And, and the concept is simply that our earliest neural pathways that we form are also our shortest neural pathways. And information processing through visuals are actually our shortest neural pathways. And that means that we're actually processing that information consistently and subconsciously at all times. So if you're leading with text as your form of information delivery, what you need to know is that our brains are subconscious, subconsciously processing the visuals surrounding that text faster than we're even processing the text. We process 36,000 visual messages in a given hour and only about 15,000 words if we're reading. And then we have to string those words together to create sentences. We have to string those sentences together to create meaning. All the while, we've processed 36,000 independent and unique visual messages. So it's, it's just something where we're far more inclined to speak and communicate visually. And it's why the very first form of communication that ever existed was cave paintings on walls. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's, we are visual creatures. Um, that, that came in much, much uh, before written text ever, ever showed up on the, uh, on the screen. So if we take infographics and, and video and kind of combine those together to kind of those animated, I, I don't know exactly what to call them, but they're, they're kind of animated uh, animated infographics, sure. right? The, yep. the animation that, that you Bridget see. enabled and stuff like that. Exactly sure. right. Yeah, is exactly right. What are the conversion rates for, for, for that type of medium? So we call those motion graphics. Um, and a typical motion graphic, if it's under 90 seconds in length, it will increase your current conversion rate by an average of 80%. But when you add an original score to that, then you actually can see a conversion rate increase of about 110%. 
And the reason is because while we're processing that visual information, if you layer on a level of audible processing, um, a narrator whose tone is changing with, with the beat of the video, but also an original score that actually changes with the hit points, with each transition point of the video itself, gets us more emotionally entangled in what we're paying what we're paying attention to and therefore that product or service resonates with us more and we retain the information on average 90% more than we would retain the information if it was just text based or if it wasn't moving so are we better off like on social media so we have a lot of followers on LinkedIn for example would they be better off sharing that static graphic infographic on a site like LinkedIn or would they be better off doing the visual graphic version of it and instead maybe emailing the the regular graphical uh, hard copy So what's really cool is LinkedIn now has newsletters so what I like to suggest is within LinkedIn on your normal feed the more video you can put up, the better. You get more engagement with video on LinkedIn. And they have finally gotten their algorithm to a point where, like Facebook, they'll prioritize video over static content. And so um, video is going to have more eyes on LinkedIn. But then when it comes to sending a LinkedIn newsletter or an email newsletter, stick with static content. It's going to load better across all of the different um, email platforms out there. But have something that just catches somebody's attention to click through to a video because you're going to get people more excited again about your brand or service if they're watching a motion graphic um, versus if the only content they have about your brand or service is an infographic. Uh, that's, that's really interesting. I, I didn't know LinkedIn had newsletters. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I, but we'll talk about that later. On a, on a um, resource level, on a resource level, let's say, you know, some of these people are at smaller brokers, smaller shops. They don't have the finances to go out, so they got to make these things themselves. Do you, because I, I think that we're advocates for using all of this stuff. We're not saying, you know, just use infographics, just use visual graphics. We actually think you should use all of these things. But if you could only dedicate the resources to one, should you stick to the more traditional infographic to start out with? If you can only, actually, if you can only dedicate your resources to one, I actually suggest do a motion graphic. And the reason is you can take all of the artwork from that motion graphic and make each scene its own individual static image for social media. You can create animated GIFs out of it. You can stack some scenes on top of each other to create an infographic. So that motion graphic is actually one of the best investments to then create tons of tools. Um, and one of the things to note in my book, I actually go through the process on how to create these things as well as what you should expect to charge or to, to pay if you are going to a freelancer versus an agency versus building your own in-house team. And I even break down how to build your own team to, to really ensure that you're putting your money into the best resources to execute the best content. So it sounds like marketing at scale and that flywheel, right? Doing yeah. the animated and, and being able to, to generate multiple static infographics well, off of it. If you think about it too, if you're only bringing in one person or dedicating a resource and they have the capability of doing mm -hmm. the visual the visual animations, the visual graphics, scaling backwards to doing the static is not going to be hard for them. Where if you get someone who's just uh, capable of making static imagery, it's going to be much harder for them to understand the video element because it's a different level of skill set. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, that's 100% spot on. So, Amy, you said you you said you wrote a book. Um, you, you mentioned that there's different tiers. Our listeners now have a lot of different options. They can go get Canva or they can get Illustrator and they can start learning themselves. Um, I think what happens a lot of times in these situations is they start doing it, they realize it's hard, and then they want to reach out to someone like you to do it for them because you've just exhibited your expertise. So how would they go about doing that and getting your book? 
Definitely. So my book is called Killer Visual Strategies, the exact same name as our company, Killer Visual Strategies. Um, the book is available on Amazon. It's also available um, on pretty much any online outlet because my publisher has put it out everywhere online you can. But it's not anywhere physically because of COVID right now. So definitely Amazon's the best place to get the book. Um, and the book is really meant to be a guidebook for marketers, for content producers, as well as for designers who are just getting into it. Um, and then to connect with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn under Amy Balliott on LinkedIn, um, at Amy Balliott on Twitter, and then at our website, KillerVisualStrategies.com. Well, Kevin, we have to ask her, if, Amy, if you had to sell infographics on a street yes. corner, you had to print them out and sell them, what infographic would you sell? So what's funny is I, as I heard you guys answering, I kept thinking, wow, that's the best answer. It's <laughs> what is going to resonate with the audience on that street corner. Because ultimately, yeah. yeah, that's how you measure success is you design for your audience. You don't design for yourself. And so um, ultimately, I would go with who's who's on that street corner and what's going to get them excited. And then I would design something based on that. Wow. wow. Amy, you did, an, you did an excellent job. We really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank and, you and we're going to give away a copy of your book today here at the end to one lucky winner. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's let's do that one. Kevin does this every show. He gives away yes. a copy of a, of, of a book. Of yeah. a book. Yeah. It was Mr. Yeah. Supply Chains for, for a while. For, so, for yeah. a while. He sent me a lot of books. So you need to send me a lot of books. I'm going to give away a, a lot. I need to, to mail a couple of them out today. Yeah. Well, Amy, we'll definitely catch up with you again down the road. But thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Wow. Thank you. She was, she was really great. She was really she was sharp. Great. And, you know, when infographics, I love infographics, right? But when this was first sort of said to me, I'm like, how do we do an entire show on infographics? And I started thinking about all the, like, my experience with infographics, and I would tree off into making the podcast, and it would tree off into making emails and newsletters. Yeah. And it would inform so much other content. I'm like, this is kind of a no-brainer, because this isn't the kind of thing, like, for you guys out there selling, who are like, okay, great, I know how to make an infographic, now what? Well, this is awesome. Like, for example, mm -hmm. if you have your marketing team, or you yourself make one on, you're a broker, Capacity, right? Capacity is tight. Make yep. one, that's a passive thing that you can that you can post on your LinkedIn. You can also send it to all of your prospective clients who it mm -hmm. it relates to, and you go, hey, look, here's I, here's some information about what's going on in the capacity market, and you can just be totally casual about it. You don't have to be like, give me your business immediately. But you, it's you, great content marketing. Exactly. I mean, that's what content marketing is, right? Excuse and, to, to conversation. Excuse to ring the to, phone. Yes. Excuse to them an email without having to give a full sell. You're giving them value. You're offering value. Never forget, offer value first. And this is just another way to do it. Even if it's just a Trojan horse to, to build that conversation. But look, if you're doing it right, if you made your infographic, mm -hmm. you're following her eight rules, you're listening to some of what we talked about, they're going to see that visual stuff and you're, they're going to go, Wow, that does look like a problem. It is, I mean, and it's something that you. yeah, exactly right. But if they shut around their office, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a win. You know, anything that that's shareable, anything that that you know builds value, right? Because value has to be up here, price has to be up down here, and we know in freight brokerage, you know, the, the market is what the market is, and so there's not a lot of wiggle room. So you have to build up a lot of value in in really non-revenue things, you know you know, intangibles. And infographics is a, a nice, easy way that, that anyone can, can really attack it. If you don't have time to write, if, if you're not a great writer, maybe you're more of a designer, you know, 300 words or less, you know, 100 words or less is even better. And, and make that, you know, get some dense, really complex uh, thought or an idea and put it down into a one pager with images is, is powerful. 
You know, one of my buddies works in PR, and I like talking to him because he thinks about things in ways that I don't think about things. Like, for example, when we broke the Nicola Trevor Milton story, he contacts me the next day, and, and his perspective on it, he's like, wow, you know, huge, huge win for you guys because I heard your name on Yahoo Finance. I heard it on CNBC. Mm -hmm. I heard it quote on all these things. He's like, look, in PR, this is what we spend every day doing. Yeah. We're not, we were, we're not really thinking as much in that metric, but when he puts it in perspective, it's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's great. Or when the sharing with your logo being on there and your branding, and yeah. if you're putting those branding identity and, and your colors on there and everything, you now have this really powerful ad asset. And there's nothing more powerful than getting someone to share your ad for you. There is nothing more powerful than that. And, and I, there's a couple things that Amy said that, you know, it's a con with too much text. Loved it. I love that. And the verses. One against another, compare and contrast versus yeah. that's what you make people take a side. Dude, one of you our know? most drivers down for, or, or one of our most downloaded brokers, right? One of our most downloaded what the trucks was uh, brokers versus that's brokers right. versus carriers. It, it gets the eyeballs, right? People it, have to take a side. They 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 get. Uh, emotional about it, you know. They're they're invested in it. So that, that's I hadn't even thought about that. The the verses. So yeah, do a verses. We're gonna give a book away. We're gonna give a book away. And if you if you want a book, you've never been in one of our drawings. Just write book it in the comments right now. You won't be in this drawing, but you'll be in the very next one because we're gonna roll right now for the very patient people who have been on the list. If you're already on the list, you don't have to do it again. We keep you on here until you've won, right? Like it's mm -hmm. that simple. You only got to say it once. But if you don't think you're on our list, just write book it in the comments now. We'll make sure you're on next time. If there's a lot of demand for this book. We'll give it away. We'll give another one away next sure. week. Right now. Uh, it's going to be Visual Strategies by Amy yep. Ballier, uh, who you heard today. And I'm sure many of you, after hearing it, are going to want it. So let's roll right now. And it's number 75. And number 75 would be Corey Albers. Corey Albers, hey, long time. Albers. Listener. I love Corey. He always good. says good morning on the morning minute. Corey, yeah. you have won Amy Ballet's book, and it's a it's a damn good one. She writes out those those eight rules in there for mm -hmm. you. She told she tells you how and why to do the visual layout. She talks about the visual science behind it. And the most important thing is sort of just talking about what not to do, which is always the kind of thing. What not to do. Yeah, what not to do. And you, and you mentioned the science. I mean, the, the numbers that she was throwing out, you know, I, I, I hear them from time to time. But every time I hear them, I'm like, wow, video on your website. Yeah. You should have video on your website. It took me a long time to actually put any video on my website. You know what happens? My conversions went up as soon as I, I put, put that copy down on my website. Yeah. I mean, hey, it, it's, well, it's a good search term. Yeah. Um, you know, and LinkedIn's an interesting place because on LinkedIn, like a lot of times with a static image, if you look at like the, the hit counter, the view counter, mm -hmm. you get more views and a lot of times you get more likes, but I notice that you get a lot less comments than when you make video. When yeah, you make video, especially if it invites conversation, they tend to have a lot more engagement. It's just weird to me that their algorithm doesn't convert that into total number of eyeballs fed to you. But it's in my weird, world, I will take engagement over invisible same. Likes and uh, invisible um, views. It was what maybe three or four months ago. We 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 both did a video, and I, I do a video maybe once a week now. Yeah. And this first time I'd done it, and I put subtitles in there, which is very key because you know you don't have to mute anything or unmute anything. Uh, you you can take it at sixty seconds, forty five seconds. Uh, engagement went off the roof. Yeah, but it was it, weird. weird. It went crazy. We but some, the views are, are down, right? Well, we both had like we both had about fifty likes on this one, and you yeah. had like twelve hundred views on it. But the static one that had the same amount had like eighteen thousand, but much less engagement. Much less engagement. And yeah. it's like I think I would sacrifice eighteen thousand yeah, for two thousand if that means that you're going to have fifty comments versus three. 
as, as Zach Lear, I, I'll do it, you know, all the time, right? Yeah. And I usually do a video a week, maybe two videos a week, just because people engage with it, right? You know, people like it, people comment on it, and that's what I'm, that's my goal. So I'm going to keep on doing what works and uh, leave what doesn't work behind. Nice. And some people have joined the list. J uh, Jared Long, he said, book it. Rice and Alaski, he says, book it. Aaron Smeetag says, book it. I think you're already on the list, Aaron. You just haven't Except. been as lucky as Corey Albers today. Jennifer Pemberton, she wants to book it also. And Joseph Landry, I think he may also be think, on the I list. Uh, Jennifer says, thanks, Amy and the Dynamic Duo. Great show. Bryce says, great show. Great information for marketing. I want to check out Amy's book. I highly recommend, he highly recommends the book, Know What You're For by Jeff Henderson, if no one's read it. Um, shout out to Rhonda's daughter. Rhonda, when we said this episode was coming out, said, super cool, Dooner and Hill. My daughter is into this stuff big time. She graduated in 2008 from Ryder University with a degree in graphics and communication. She has a side hustle, making extra cash via creating branded content for different artists and small businesses. She's an artsy girl. Super neat to see and hear from talented folks. Looking forward to tuning in. Hey, as an art school dropout, I'm all for it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so the key takeaway is, if you aren't doing infographics right now, start today. Yeah, absolutely. That's key takeaway. Start to it. See, see, find someone you know who knows a little bit of design. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids coming out of college. Or maybe there's that person yeah, working at brokerage who has a side gig doing design. Say, hey, you ever thought about doing some infographics for us? We have a cool gig for you. By the way, guys, you can find us. Keep the conversation going at Timothy Dooner on Twitter. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Or on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with anyone. You know, as long as... Uh, you know, you don't smell too bad. Uh, Kevin <laughs> Hill, you want to add Kevin Hill CL on Twitter or Kevin Hill on LinkedIn. You can find this show by looking up Put That Coffee Down on your favorite podcast player or look up Freightcast on your favorite podcast player choice. You'll get every Freight Waves podcast, including the Midday Market Update, your show, Great Quarter, guys. You can hear about Seth's jet ski. Uh, you can watch What the Truck Mondays. What the Truck was the most watched program on Freight Waves TV ever. And we and dove deep on Nicholas, so go check it out. And we're breaking records every day with Freightcast. More yeah. and more downloads. More downloads. Oh.